Our state-by-state -state look at coronavirus trends is more encouraging this Sunday. Welcome to the Alt-Normal, an exploration of the diverse voices on planet Earth. The wildfires that have devastated parts of Australia. Doing the critical work of rebuilding a healthier, more sustainable alternative future at the intersection of self, community, and planet. We live in uncertain times, a powerful moment of revolution. How we choose to steer the path will determine what kind of alt-normal we consciously remake together. Everyone has a part to play. Let's rise. Shift and support this exciting new reality in the making. The alt-normal. Auto's reached the transport site. Trying to lock on. Five, four, three. Welcome to the alt-normal. My name is Tiffany Wen, and before I introduce our guest today, I'd like to center us on why we're here and where we are. In this grave crisis of systems collapse lies an opportunity for a massive shift in culture around how we relate to ourselves, our community, and our earth. We all have a part to play, because if not now, then when? How we steer the path forward will determine how we consciously remake our future together as a collective humanity. Big thank you to Zest for hosting this conversation today. Zest is a plant-based restaurant here in Ubud, Bali. Their mission, powered by plants made for people, brings conversation, community, and creative dishes together in their beautiful oasis of nature. We're so grateful to be here. So with that, let's introduce our beautiful guest today, Zena Yazbek. So Zena is a dreamer and an achiever. She believes in the power of imagination, creation, and setting your heart's desires into motion to dream your dream onward. Zena's career was in television production, talent management, and business consultancy. After over a decade of, quote, a successful career, end quote, her path had other plans for her. She had then found her calling through a physical illness that forced to stop and reconnect to her life's calling and wildest desires yet. Dedicated to the ever journey of transformation, Zena's mission is to activate changemakers into their original power. She currently resides in Bali and is the founder of Dream A New World, a soon to be launched platform on dreams and imagination. She is also an internationally published author, shamanic breathwork facilitator, shamanic astrology counselor, meditation teacher, and dream growing guide. What a bio. <laughs> Pretty long. Pretty long. A lot of similar words in there, which I'm really excited to get into. So awesome. welcome to the show, Zaina. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's a blessing being here um, back in Ubud, um, where everything started, the surrounded by people I love, and also a place that I love too. So thank you. Yes. Beautiful. So I'd love to start from the beginning. So I know that you are a woman from Lebanon, and you grew up in Lebanon during a war, uh, the Civil War, I believe, um, that started in the 70s. So if you, if you may, would you tell us about what it was like to grow up 
in Lebanon at that time? What was the culture like? Um, and in particularly in relationship to spirituality? Well, the, the war that I uh, grew up in was actually in the mid 80s. And, um, you know, when just, I'm just now reconnecting with the fact that, oh, hey, you know, I'm a child who grew up at war. And it's weird how something like this kind of just goes by. So like I, you know, you grow up, I'll actually, I'll speak for myself, I grew up and just moved on. And it wasn't until recently that I started reconnecting with the fact that um, all these traumas that are war-related, all these um, wounds that are war-related, all these masks that are war-related that are within me that I'm just now sitting with and uncovering um, till today, um, that definitely has had a, a, a very deep um, effect on the way I grew up and choices. Um, and I'm realizing now that they were mostly subconscious choices, just in fear and just as a response to things where, you know, a, a war broke out in, in a country that's just kind of, in a way, known to be war-torn. Um, but then at some point, like, hey, the war is over. Go back to school. Um, go shopping. Uh, watch television. Uh, you know, it was like, there's, there was no need to quote-unquote, heal. There was no need to be, for some reason, no one really thought of the fact that, hey, children are scarred, parents are scarred. I mean, can't just be like, hey, just pop a few pills and, and, and move on, <laughs> you know, for the adults and for the children. Uh, just go back to school and, and pretend like all of that never happened. So really, when I think of, of it, it's just not not normal but it managed to become normal and still I, I watch it you know I watch history repeating itself whereas no one has really said hey you know we're individuals therefore creating um, a nation creating a collective that's traumatized that's wounded um, are we ever going to really stop and kind of just allow ourselves the chance to feel and I feel like that in itself is what I grew up with that I never really allowed myself to stop and feel it's as if feeling is not valid and one can only imagine where a life with shutting out feelings or considering them as invalid can take one into the, their adulthood. Um, and having said that, though, Lebanon is a beautiful country. You know, its geographical location is beautiful. Its culture is beautiful. Its people are beautiful. Um, so it's not just, you know, this like war-torn kind of um, city, though it also simultaneously is. But it is my dream um, to actually be able to collaborate on, you know, Lebanon level and world level um, in whatever it is that's, that's, you know, we're saying is being birthed by allowing ourselves to birth ourselves into reality, um, into our own reality, into our real self. Oh, there's so much more to unpack there. And I, I start there because you do so many amazing things that we're going to talk about today. And I guess... Part of that must be, you know, influenced by the kind of upbringing you had, you know, and the experiences that shaped the person that you are. And during that experience, um, were you raised in any kind of spiritual, religious way? Like, did you have any support in that realm in the midst of that chaos and those hardships? Lebanon, as even though, you know, as a country in the Middle East, Lebanon, I would say, is 
as far as I know, um, I hope I'm not mistaken, you know, the, the only country that has different religions. Um, I grew up Christian. I went to a Catholic school. My main language, um, spoken language was French, actually. And now I lost it, you know, due to lack of practice. Don't ask me to say it. But anyway, it was just a, a classical scenario of, of religion. Not that I don't have, uh, obviously, the utmost respect for the choices of the individual, but you know, grew up in a classical environment of no choice, where, you know, one does not really know that there's a choice. And I'm not also saying that I would choose anything else. This is not about, you know, denying or refusing or anything like that. It is what it is. So there was really no space for what one would call spirituality. Spirituality and religion were one. And that's how I, um, that's how I grew up. I actually remember in school, I, I used to get kicked out from, um, you know, Catholic hour or whatever just for the sake just because I would ask questions I was a curious child you know I just wanted to to know like what do you mean why why does this happen or why are we told this or why can't I do that why is there hell (laughs) why is there heaven um what about the other people who are from a different religion you know kind of thing so let's just you know needless to say I would get kicked out I was just been you know given the things like out kind of out of the door and I was just okay and then I would do it again but it wasn't more you know it wasn't necessarily from a place of poking I was really just wondering it's like one moment you tell me that I have to see something to believe it then another time you tell me that I have to just believe something just because you said it it's like stick to a theory growing up I was very very amazed by philosophy it was probably the favorite my favorite thing to study at the um, you know later years in school um, I used to always love reading. I used to always love writing. But philosophy had its, I don't know, had, had mesmerized me. And I didn't know why. I didn't understand why. I didn't understand um, that it that it kind of offered that window to the, the free thought, you know, of, of individuation, of being. I mean, I was too young to even think that. It's like, what is individuation? What is, you know, having your own path? And that was the very core. And, you know, this these kind of mostly restrictions Looking in retrospect, I didn't know there were restrictions. I just thought I was not normal. I just thought that um, everyone else gets it, but I don't get it, and that I need to get it to understand it, even when I didn't understand it. So there was not a lot of room for me to really understand. It was like when, when one really doesn't understand that there is some such a thing as freedom to be, the child just kind of judges themselves to be unworthy of 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 being themselves it's just I'm too much or I'm too little or I don't understand or I don't get that or I don't belong here which to me was the the biggest thing I don't belong here and when I said I don't belong here obviously you know it started from the the the, the country um, and then eventually one just feels like they don't belong in their own life it's it becomes that big and the one thing that a child and a young person would start doing is practicing what we call escapism, disassociation. I mean, these are big words for a very simple reality of just saying, I'm not valid, you know, I'm not worthy of being loved the way I am. Um, and it's and it's really easy for me to say that now after I actually was able to dive into all these things. But, you know, remembering the the child who grew up at war, remembering the child who grew up saying that this is what you need to do because that's what the neighbor does. That's why everyone does. So you cannot create your own rules. You cannot create your own reality. And if you are, then there's something wrong with you.
it was downhill from there. Thank you for yeah going back and pulling from your childhood experiences and really the the soil for for how you evolved since. So I kind of want to segue into this quote unquote successful career that you had and you you know managed to create a career in TV production, talent management and business consultancy. And I know that you, you know, grew up in Lebanon, but then you also spent time in the U.S. and and you are sort of a very worldly traveler in person, but eventually you left. So I would love to know why that happened and how you eventually found yourself as this transformational guide, this person that helps people access the the deepest parts of themselves, which we're going to get more into, but, you know, this guide of astrology, dream work, creatorship. Um, so how did you go from point A to point B? Take us through that. Okay, it's a long journey through the question. So I'll just start with the fact that since the age of eight, I knew that I was going to move to the United States and specifically to New York City. Don't ask me how. Now I know, you know, it's like, this is why many times when I do hold space for the ones who are holding space for themselves, I ask them, when you were a child, did you have a gift? Did you have a talent? Was there something that just happened or that you used to do so naturally, but that you judged as coincidence, you know, or it just happened? No, but that's another, that's another story. So going back to the age of eight, I actually learned English by watching television, just reading the subtitles in Arabic or in French and then just listening. So I was so drawn to the language and I knew I was going to learn it. And I did eventually. I remember very well that I had this feeling that I was going to move to New York City. I used to record all these music videos back then, um, all on music television. It was my my VHS tapes Mm -hmm. and the recorder, and I would just record them, and I would dance and sing and all of it. And then I just knew at the age of 18 that I was going to go to the United States, and it just happened. It happened so randomly in such a fate kind of way. And then... Two and a half years later, I've gotten an internship with music television. Then my production career started. So I wouldn't really say that I had a plan ever till today. I knew. And I remember well that I'd applied to different internship programs because back then I thought I was going to change the world with news and politics. And again, that's another can of worms, like change the world, what do you mean? But in, in, in politics and all of that. But then eventually when I applied to all these different internships, I got accepted in major television networks, you know, NBC, CNN, um, and music television, which had pretty much nothing to to do with news. I mean, it had a department called MTV News and Docs, and that was the one that I eventually went to, but it was not really news. It was reality docuseries kind kind of production. And for some reason, I just chose music television. Which again, back in the days, I, I don't know why, looking in retrospect, I would have done such a thing, but I did. From there on, things started unfolding and I just felt this driven kind of, not, not driven as in just ambition, but driven as in guided. But I didn't know it was called guided. What is really guided? Because that really will tap into what we call spirituality or what we call this, you know, divine guidance, which I unfortunately was closed off to, not because I chose to be closed off to it, because it was just never really opened for me. It was not anything or something that I ever really thought 
existed. So I thought it was all coincidence. Like, hey, you know, you know, when I was eight, I used to dream that I would go to New York City and then I would, whatever, you know, go into eventually music and all that before the politics happened. And that took me right there. So that's the first part of, of the, the question, which is, you know, how did I move to the United States? It really just happened. It was very fateful. Then, wow, I mean, the, I, I can't, don't even know where to begin with the transformation journey from television production to business consultancy. I just had a really gift for it. And um, I found that even when I was working with production, I started working closely with clients on growing their businesses through videos. Um, you know, so then they started asking me to do more marketing for them and more consultancy for them. And then I was able to also train talent because in the middle, you know, from the age of nine to the age of 18, I forgot that small part. I was on television in Lebanon. So I was a, what you would call a, a child TV star, not mm. just in Lebanon, actually in the Middle East. Um, and so I had that gift also to, you know, to, to be on stage, to work with camera and then eventually learn how to be able to um, coach people even though that wasn't even really a word, you know, like a life coach kind of thing, or just just to guide people or manage people into their own mm -hmm. talent and so on and so forth. So um, eventually segued from production to business consultancy. Um, and then I started working between Lebanon and the United States for a couple of years with major businesses, uh, malls, beach resorts, um, fitness centers, uh, video. I mean, you've, I've done pretty much almost every kind of field there is when it comes to business consultancy. And I was not only here, I'll say driven in terms of a workaholic, I really was a workaholic and I didn't understand that I was, I didn't understand it at all. Cause I, to me, looking at in retrospect, the girl who doesn't feel belong needed to get busy with something else or needed to get busy with just someone else. So it's it's really what, what happened. And it was either me working or going out at night because I would stay at the office till really, really late. And that was what was just available. And that's what I loved the most, you know, being the party girl at night and the workaholic during the day. And I loved that shift in, in, in perspective kind of thing. You know, I've always had this duality happening with me. And eventually I got really sick. For, for about two and a half years, three years, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know what was going on. I'd probably seen every kind of doctor and specialist and everyone would give me a different type of medicine. Someone even towards the end suggested surgery, but they said, but no, you need to take this first to see if we can avoid surgery. Um, and I did say specifically that I'm allergic to that medicine. And I ended up taking it anyway. Not just allergic, actually puts me into a depression. Like I, I was in a really already depressed, you know, it was just a depressed state for at least about a week. And then I remember calling the doctor and saying, Hey, um, I can't take this anymore. And I remember the doctor saying, it's okay. We'll prescribe you another brand of the same uh, medicine. Mm -hmm. I remember saying, no, thank you. And I hung up and another fateful gate opened. Two weeks later, I was in Bali, even without me ever really knowing what Bali was about. I still had not heard of anything called spirituality or anything called energy, anything called transformation, none of it at all. And mm -hmm. that fateful gate opened and I found myself in Bali, specifically in Ubud. And that's where really my journey, well, my, my new journey <laughs> within the journey opened up or opened way.
the journey is fascinating. We spoke about this previously, but that, you know, you've lived many lifetimes and, you know, now you're bringing many talents and many passions and many parts of yourself under this program called Dream A New World. And before we dive into this, I want to just focus on the word dream because this word has many meanings and um, I would love to, yeah, just hear what the word dream means to you in all facets. I don't like words very much. Hmm. So therefore, I'm not really married to definitions. <laughs> so let's just put it this way. I do believe that, you know, one uses words for the sake of what we call linear living, you know, chopping, uh, chopping wood and carrying water. So that we're able to, again, communicate in very specific ways. But then really, each one of us holds a certain meaning to different words. And, and many times someone finds themselves arguing with someone else. And then if one realizes at some point, if we just stop and be like, hey, what does love mean to you? Oh, that's what love means to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So then problem solved. You know, There's no problem. We're, you're talking about, I don't know, that which I call this. And I'm talking about that which you call that. Um, okay, great. <laughs> and also understanding that the word in itself keeps evolving with the person. Mm-hmm. Not only is it attached to conditioning, it's also attached to new findings and to new learnings. I personally do not believe that dream is different than life itself. We just call it the dream state. You know, we were talking about the, the sleeping state. You know, when one dreams, actually one is able to dream with their eyes open. Sometimes one is able to dream with a shamanic drum <laughs> journey. Mm-hmm. You know, go into the, again, that which we call a dreaming state. The dreaming state for me is just a state of infinity, which again, life in itself is infinity. But just for the sake of not saying life, (laughs) I'll say dream. And beyond the linear living of, okay, I need to uh, make a choice to to eat today, you know, because maybe I'll get dizzy and I'll fall. That's that's what I call a part of life, you know, the the stuff that we just do uh, because we have to do in this body, in this middle world, okay, that we also exist in. But within this very body are gates to infinity. They're not outside of the body. They're not a place where only when I sleep I can go there or when I journey into an altered state of consciousness that I go there. It is actually through the body that one goes to an altered state of consciousness. So the dream is the body. The dream is life. The dream is myself. I am both the dream and the dreamer. And sometimes it takes one to really go into a sleeping state to really become one with the dream, meaning the dreamer and the dream are no different. And that in itself, even if we're going to apply into meditation, is called the observer. So to me, a dream is infinity and dreaming is infinity. And infinity brings back the conversation to oneself and infinity brings back the infinite amount of possibilities that are always happening with every breath outside of the conditioning, outside of, this is what my culture told me, outside of, this is what this new book is telling me, outside of this, what the teacher is telling me, outside of even myself, this fixed state of being myself. So yeah, dream is infinity, and dream is no different than life. Do you feel like people struggle or really 
yeah, find it challenging to really dream in this way that you're talking about, you know, whereas we see dreaming as not just, you know, when we go to bed and close our eyes, but really being able to tap into that infinity that you describe as. So it's, you know, when one says, you know, mind, body, spirit, uh, again, the mind wants to divide, wants to say there's the mind, there's the body, then the spirit, it's all one. So for me, one has to go to the world of the senses to go beyond the senses. So this is not about saying, I can be a dreamer. I am a dreamer. I can be infinity. I actually am infinity. And this is not about necessarily leaving the body or taking something or even necessarily believing in something because I believe that we all were born believers. This is just being open. This is just choosing, choosing a timeline where, from all the different timelines, meaning I'm creating my life one timeline at a time, meaning there's always so many timelines opening up and the gate that I choose is the timeline that I go with today because I might change that tomorrow. I believe personally that not only are we all dreamers, but that we all already believe that we are dreamers. It's just that we are too scared of our own power that one actually gets scared from expanding into infinity. It does go back into cultures, conditioning, you know, the, the being told that when, when you're first born that you don't know and that you need a book to tell you and that you need a friend to tell you who you are or that you need a teacher to tell you who you are. And I'm not trying to diss anything. So, you know, when I speak of something, it's not me opposing it. You know, I understand. I understand that I see it. I observe it. But... I also observed the fact that at some point, and I'll speak for myself, you know, in my own childhood, when I decided that I'm not good enough, it was actually that I was too scared of being too much, you know, of, of being a dreamer. I was scared of that. I was scared of the dream and the dreamer. So I shut away the dream and the dreamer. And though at some point I was guided, let's say, into my journey within the United States and music television and everything that I spoke but what I did not talk about is the decade in between where I absolutely shut myself out because that stays with someone. So before one goes back to the fact that they can be a dreamer, suggesting that they are a dreamer is everything. But that in itself can be a huge journey or it can just be so fast. It is up to the person, the, the very creator to create with that to create with that thought, to create with their thoughts, to create from within to without. Yeah, it's almost like we're moving out of this linear mindset into the space of absolute abundance and infinity. And just by choosing that timeline and this possibility, you are then, I guess, propelling yourself down this path where everything that is inside of you can manifest beyond you. Yes, absolutely. But I also don't mean to make it sound so, you know, action, go, 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 do, do, do type of thing, manifest, there's only abundance in the world and all of that. Actually, dreaming in itself requires surrender, requires humility of being shown really what humanness is. And humanness is both greatness and sometimes one can really feel broken. You know, humility and greatness can 
co-live and they actually do already you know this vulnerability the sense of surrender which at the core of it is a sense of faith and faith that not only amazing things are going to happen i'm just going to have you know this million dollars and the best relationship and the best body and the best spiritual practice whatever the case may be understanding that the dream is a journey within a journey within a journey and one understand that there's no such thing as destination this is really one can't tap into infinity but really dreaming requires surrender and at the very core of it is faith thank you for clarifying that i think it's important to remember that we are human beings not human doings and by being it can take a lot to even arrive there and to just let go to to fully be and, and receive the be and i would love to hear yeah, a practice that you hold very near and dear to your heart that allows you to surrender and access your your dream. Um, my shamanic astrology mentor, actually the creator of shamanic astrology, Daniel Giamario, asks, you know, what is, how does one surrender? There's no, no specific way of surrender or else it wouldn't be called surrender. So to each their own, you know, to each their own in their own journey of surrender. I'll speak for myself and my own journey. There's no necessarily such thing as practice. The very practice is life. There are many methods that one can, you know, choose on the day of, because I believe that also changes. It can be singing. It can be writing. It can be meditating. It can be hugging someone. It can be kneeling on both knees and asking the skies for a helping hand, you know. It can be tears. It can be messy. It can be perfect. It doesn't really matter. There is no form of surrender. It's just remembering being with what is, is being with yourself. And remembering that not only is one a creator, but also a co-creator. And one re When one really suggests not only infinity, but co-creatorship, infinite beings show up. And I'm not trying to say infinite beings show up to make things better. See, you know, the mind wants to say black or white, better or worse, you know. You know, they're not, no one is helping me, you know, kind of thing. Um, it's not about that. Surrender in itself is the alchemy of, you know, within the human body. Is when one not only, actually, is not about changing something, a situation, is about evolving with the journey. Is the evolution, is the path of evolution, is, is really coming from a place and literally magically turning it into something else by the very act of surrender. And the very act of surrender can be sometimes just being with what is, at least for myself, observing what is going on, even if I'm not meditating, meaning observing what's going on within and what's going on without, crying if I want to cry, laugh if I want to laugh, journal if I want to journal, and just allow myself to feel all the feelings because it is in the feelings that this alchemy happens. It is in the feeling that this infinity comes to life. It is in the feeling that I can change a whole cluster of thoughts and watch them evolve into something else. I mean, something else. You know, it's what we say, transmutation, turning silver into gold. We're talking about spiritual, you know, in the body transmutation as just sitting with it because when one sits with something and observes it the very nature of it changes and that's really where magic happens rather than 
ignoring it, which is another form of resistance, escaping from it, which is another form of resistance, pretending doesn't happen, which is another form of resisting. So not surrendering to it, which can create and start creating a bigger cluster of the same thought and a bigger cluster of the same thought and just manifest itself in so many different scenarios where one person might feel stuck, might feel they have no options, might feel like they're the farthest from themselves and from their heart. So returning to dream, dream a new world. Why did you decide to dream this up now in 2020, if I'm remembering correctly? Um, so dream a new world, actually, this very name appeared to me as in like, I just, I just felt it and I just wrote it, um, I would say a year ago. And back then I had no idea why I just started a page and I just wrote the name. I just even got a logo and I didn't know why. And today, not to say that I know exactly why at all not that i actually even want to know exactly why because this is part of the journey as well but i do feel like it's a really really big heart mission of mine and dream in your world you know many people might relate dream or dreaming to being passive actually dreaming is being but also dreaming individually allows one to tap into imagination, to tap into infinity. And we were just, you know, I just mentioned energy just a little bit, but this is how one can hold a space for themselves to actually dream whatever it is that they want into existence by dreaming themselves into being, therefore allowing other or others to dream themselves into being. And that is how really change, or what I would say, you know, transmutation, happens from an individual level to a collective level so this is about really not introducing a new way of being because i feel like this probably used to happen a very long time ago it is in my heart that i feel that it used to happen a long time ago i don't have facts or maybe they're they are right they're out there but i didn't necessarily really need to go and look that up it is just a very 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 deep belief that on a root level I'm remembering as I'm allowing myself to dream myself into being, trusting that that very dream will attract the dreamers who are also dreaming themselves into being. So when one talks about freedom of choice, I can't think of anything more freeing than being the dreamer and the dreamer. I'd like to make a bridge between dreaming yourself into being and allowing others to dream themselves into being with what recently happened in Lebanon. And so that happened on August 4th, right? And the explosion was just the tip of the iceberg, obviously, of much deeper issues and deeper history and deeper traumas. And, you know, I can't imagine what that must have felt like to, I guess, grow up in war, but also to experience this as, as a Lebanese person yourself. So I know that you've been active in, in some capacity with bringing Lebanese expats together. And I would just love to hear, right, like how, how did you respond when that happened in August? Like how did you, how did that make you feel? How did you 
with, you know, all of the work that you've been doing around dreaming, how did you respond to this, to this moment? This tragedy allowed me to create the space for myself to feel all the feelings. I cried, didn't sleep, all the wounds from war came up, all the, 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 the trauma wounds came up. And also masks and, and personalities in me also were illuminated. The one where I was like, to hell with the system, you know, do this, do that. It's like, go into revolution, you know, yes, let's just uprise. That's the shadow that is always within kind of came to light. And I saw that. I saw that. I actually, I was amazed by how present this was in me but simultaneously you know just exactly when i was talking about surrendering because the place of surrender really allowed me to observe i went through some dark dark days when that happened in lebanon you know i went from someone who doesn't watch the news or what pretty much i'm pretty disconnected from social media unless it has to do you know with the work to being on social media like the entire day just crying and repeating and crying and crying and crying until in one moment I realized that the nuclear weapon is fear. I mean, it was something that I kind of just been thinking about, but to live it in such a way, in such an intense way, and to really realize where one gives their energy away. When one really becomes the pandemic, when one really becomes the tragedy, rather than being with, allowing yourself to grieve, allowing yourself to go through whatever it is that you need to go through, but then remembering that you are whole onto yourself within this body. And then the moment one leaves their body fully in response to something and in reaction to something, no longer functioning in your body. You've kind of just exited. You've kind of just left. And this is how a lot of times mass control happens. So it's by really suggesting fear to an individual that an individual leaves their everything within and goes without. Reacting. And again, this is not a form of dissing. This is just a form of saying where I was when that happened and how my journey has transpired from this very tragedy that has hit so close to home and in that moment with the tears I got up and allowed myself to feel all the feelings that are still coming up till today but I also asked myself the question how can I dream a new world by dreaming myself into being and though this may sound, you know, oh yeah, you know, holy and great, no, it is messy. And it is through that messiness that every day I pick up myself and realize that, you know, something that we've just really been reminded of collectively and individually, that really the only reality happening is now. So what can I do today? What parts of me that I've maybe rejected or talents that I've really had forgotten about or that I've been terrified of, can I put together to dream myself into being without that fear? And if the fear is there, see it. 
but work with it rather than work for it, rather than become the fear. How can I dream me into being today? My woman's like, so what about tomorrow? <laughs> tomorrow? If anything, this reality that we're all living today is really understanding humanness and understanding that humanness and magic and life happens right here, right now. Even if the mind wants to jump in and say, hey, but what about tomorrow? You know, you, you need to save money. You need to, to do this. You know, Sure. This is not about depriving oneself from a life that they dream for their future, but also without depriving themselves from the magic that happens in the now. And those can coexist simultaneously. Mm. So it is with surrender, faith, and being that I've been able and still am able to navigate the waters of the underworld that are happening within and without by allowing my heart to guide me on a daily basis. I love that. How can we dream ourselves into being today and balance that with, of course, future, but prioritizing what's happening right now because that's where the magic really exists. How you are right now will determine and help you shape that future. So I'd like to stay a little bit on maybe this community that you helped create with other Lebanese expats or maybe even people from home, I'm not sure. But what was that experience like bringing the community together to acknowledge the tragedy and to also right, bring this lens that you have, that you've developed into that conversation? So the offering that, that you know, the, the invitation was for Lebanese expats to come together and whatever wounding and traumas they're going through with this tragedy, whether it awakened memories of war or whether it's just from this uh, recent tragedy on August 4th, was really the intention for me to open way for something that was really never opened way for in my own childhood. It was like, uh, does anyone need to talk about what just happened, you know? And um, especially with Lebanese expats or just ones who live outside of their home countries, you know, for, for whatever reason, there is always a different kind of trauma that happens. There's also that which we call the survivor's guilt that can really trade one's ego into so many places to go and so much. It's like almost one sometimes just decides that they don't want the beautiful life they're having and they just don't, they don't deserve anything because whatever reason. So not to necessarily dive into that, but that very intention, that seed that I planted brought people from all over, you know, reaching out, really wanting to be heard, really wanting to speak, whether on an individual level or on a collective level. My intention was to hold space for even one person if that one person decided to show up. But that in itself has evolved. And just a few days ago, I decided that I'm going to Lebanon. Just a few days ago. I mean, if you would have asked me before, I would have said, you're crazy. Because my parents would also tell me that I'm crazy if I would even think about it. Because I was thinking about it, and I was supposed to be in Lebanon on August 3rd right after Vipassana that I did. It was just like, it's so clear to me that I want to go home and I want to see my family. And then my dad said, no, you're not coming. And my parents never, they're not the type of people who would 
they're like always supporting they're my cheerleaders they're they're my love my heart my entire family and really for my dad to say no you're not coming I actually just kind of you know it was a video call and I looked at him I'm like what do you mean what do you mean no okay but for some reason I listened and I was supposed to be there on August 3rd and and you know I guess I wasn't meant to be just fate didn't want me to be there then and just a few days ago I decided I'm going to Lebanon because Dream and New World is taking me there and Dream and New World is not the business or the platform it is my journey it's my journeys is is my my being my life that I'm choosing to create with every breath and now today today <laughs> I'm choosing to go to Lebanon in a few days if one asks me what is it that you're going to do there I have no clue um do you have a certain plan again of course not but it's time i'd like to segue now into the work that you're doing with shamanism as it relates to astrology as it relates to work so you know shamanism i'm sure everyone here has an understanding of what that word means it it's an indigenous word. It's essentially a person who bridges the material world that we can sense with the five senses, with the world that we cannot see. Insert whatever word you want, great creator, spirit, universe, divine intelligence, what have you. So yeah, I, I know that words can be limiting, but can you maybe shed some light on how on how you embody shamanism in the work that you do with astrology, breath work, and all the other realms that you might work with? So it just so happened that I was really just drawn to a method called shamanic breath work. And then after that, um, shamanic astrology, uh, even though none of them are, you know, they're different schools, different, um, different everything. But I don't know why the, those specific methods or, or way of holding space um, because I tried them. So I actually went into them. I went into shamanic breath and was like, what is this? I got a shamanic astrology reading and I said, what? How come no one has ever told me about this a very long time ago? So really it was by mere coincidence that the word shaman or shamanic were in the two methods. I didn't even, I never really knew what a shaman, I mean, I'm still, till this day trying to find out and uncover what um you know what that really really means um and just like every word again you know many can say you know what yoga in the united states or yoga should be in india or what wait why you call it yoga it's asana or was it whatever it is you know this like mainstream word that comes but i'll bring it down i'll break it down into these two categories and shamanic breathwork specifically the school of shamanic breathwork decided to call it shamanic breathwork because the shaman is a wounded healer. Okay, so it suggests that the, 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 the healing is in the feeling and that the healing is in the wound. And so this is exactly, you know, how, how shamans hold space for that. You know, it's just for actually forgetting about how the shamans hold space for that. It's just the wounded healer. Really, that is what the shaman, um, the shamanic word and breathwork suggests. But it also means walker between the worlds. So it's journeying into an altered state of consciousness using the power of your very own breath. Your very own breath within your body that you can go to other dimensions without the help of anything. If anything, that sounds like 
you know, working with uh, mother plants or, or working with the shamanic journeying. But this is a suggestion of not even the suggestion, the reality, for a lack of a better word, um, of, of many realities through the body, through the breath, just using a very simple cyclical technique. Now, when it comes to shamanic astrology, it's really about working with the elements, which shamans also do. So it's not about embodying shamans in the classical sense of the indigenous people who have had their own paths, you know, who've had their own culture, who've like probably just grew up breathing and living shamanism. Um, this just took out the, the very core of that and just added it onto a name. So by no means do I claim to be a shaman or anything else. Again, dreaming oneself into being is just literally stripping away one that would call, you know, anything that one would call labels um, to begin with. So that being said, you know, about about the, the word shamanic and the practices that I'm doing is just just so happens that these schools have added the name shamanic and I'm using them as actual facilitator to refer to the certification, let's say, that I got or the space holding that I'm able to do. Having said that, though, and because I do not personally believe in something called coincidence, um, synchronicity. It's really allowed me to dive into the culture of, of the shamans. Like you would find me absolutely intrigued reading books, you know, watching videos, seeing interviews, and but also feeling this connection with shamanism that I that I can't even really describe. You know, I, I don't know where, where it came from or how it really happened, but it happened. And here I am really exploring even my infatuation, this very natural infatuation with the world of dreams as a very shaman, quote unquote, thing, you know, um, that I was like, okay, wow, um, I don't know how I got here, but I'm here and it doesn't really matter because I don't really believe that everything happens for a reason, just everything is. And it's just part of my journey that I'm currently exploring and, and making way for infinity to happen through tapping into and exploring everything that life is constantly giving, whether it's an underworld experience, an upper world experience, or a middle world experience, which is also a very shamanic way of looking at things, into this body, into this lifetime, into this self today. Thank you for clarifying that. I think, yeah, there's there's so much tradition um, that we can extract from leaning into shamanism and, and learning from you know the masters who grew up in the jungle and lived and breathed this since they were kids. Um, and I think with breath work, especially, I mean, we're living in COVID times, right? We're living in the age of the mask, and you know, breath work has been around for a while, but I think now, especially it's really having its moment because people are behind masks, stuck at home and just completely reshifting their way of being, you know, because of this global pandemic we're in. And so, you know, as a breathwork uh, practitioner, facilitator, someone who found it, and you obviously practice this yourself, can you maybe pull back the curtain on what this is for people who don't know much about breathwork and for, you know, grandma or, you know, great uncle who are stuck at home, like, how can you start this? You know, how do you access this? 
breath work is not the ancient yogic technique of, of, of focusing and you know or firing up the digestive system that's not what we're talking about breath work here we're talking about specifically the cyclical breath um it, specifically in shamanic breath work is a, a cyclical breath um that allows you to journey into an altered state of consciousness um or you know shamanic breath work uh, you know they say journeying beyond the limits of the self so what is an altered state of consciousness Altered state of consciousness is whatever the human body is designed to actually give it in a certain point. When one really breathes um, and actually just allows themselves to go onto a journey, to journey, I don't want to say outside of themselves, but into um, dimensions. It can be really anywhere from falling asleep to literally seeing whatever it is, you know, other, again, traveling into other dimensions outside or traveling to, to inner dimensions, whether it just be emotions, feelings, um, maybe feeling numb, feeling angry, feeling joy, laughing, dancing, getting memories, getting flashbacks, or getting irritated by the fact that you're not going anywhere, you know, having this process in your analytical, in our, well, because God, the mind is analytical, analytical mind is like, why is this person's journey like this? Why is that person's journey like that? Why am I not going anywhere? Or this is, BS, you know, this breathwork stuff doesn't work. Is the process, whatever it is that the person is going through on the mat, um, whether they're breathing as they're sitting up or, or laying down, is the process and that in itself is the altered state of consciousness because that just shifted and moved energy just using the very power of the cyclical breath. So, Many people actually, I um, was one of them, you know, thought, you know, altered state of consciousness are these things where, oh, I'll just see, you know, leprechauns and fairies. And I mean, I, one could, but it's not necessarily that. My first shamanic breathwork journey, I just barely shed a tear, but I knew it was so potent because I hadn't cried in a very long time and I didn't even know where that tear came from. My process went from analyzing people's processes around me. I was like, what in the world did I just sign up for? And why are these people screaming, you know, to, oh, why am I crying? What's, what kind of emotional release? Oh my God, what is this? And then I signed up for a training. And then after I signed up for a training, I remember very well my second journey took me back to a memory that the child self had fully erased and fully told herself another story. I remembered very well an abuse story that had happened to me that I had told myself till three years ago that that did not happen the way it did. And I thought that I'd made peace with it, but I saw and felt the fear through that flashback and that memory and that visual that I got through breathwork. And there are other times where I'd be too tired, so I'd fall asleep. There are other times where I'll be dancing with dragons. Um, this really is whatever process your body and your breath is ready to give you. And that's the beauty about using the power of the breath because with breath, you can also say, hey, it's enough for me and I want to just open my eyes or I want to, you know, breathe a little um, slower or, or maybe I'll just stop for a little bit rather than taking something outside of you and might not be, it might take you, you know, maybe too far where as the integration, meaning coming back into the body, into this life, integrating what you've just uncovered, whether it's just energy moving or a visual or a memory or a flashback to just kind of be able to be whole with yourself and, and work through that union. Because, you know, one one saying, oh, you know, news take me out of my body or past takes me out of my body or the future takes me out of my body, but then also breathwork can take me out of my body if I don't just sit and integrate. 
So integration is also a very part of, you know, one when one really uncovers just to come back. And this is not just with breath work. It's pretty much with any work. So the process in itself starts before the mat, continues on the mat, and then keeps going after. And the common between all of them is, is the walker of the world, me. So that's that's part breath work. Yeah, it's... um. I've had a breathwork experience myself cool. and just uncovered the most unexpected memories. It was like a montage, you know, the flash of images, you know, before, you know, you have the white light, like before death moment, I had one of those and it was really unexpected and incredibly powerful. It's, it's quite hard to put into words. And like you said, you can see dragons or you can maybe shed a tear and everything else in between. So I think it's a very important practice and I really hope that it continues to spread to people who really need it most yeah so kind of pulling up a little bit and looking at culture more broadly in 2020 in this new decade of COVID times and just everything kind of in upheaval in a way everything's in question I think everyone's a little bit more awake right now I would love to know what important or just any question that's really come up for you that maybe you don't have an answer to yet that during these times you're like, wow, what would it be like to fill in the blank or, you know, just anything that comes to mind that you're still sitting with? So I'd like to address what you said in um, two parts. The first part about the, so the, the, the saying of, you know, the collective is all going through something. Actually, the circle that I that I held for the expats, you know, something that really was brought up, one realizes, though we're all children of war, that's what we have in common, let's say, okay, in Lebanon. And then we all had families in Lebanon, so that's another, that's another um, layer that one can say, all right, whoa, we all went through the same experience, we're going through the same thing. When we're going through the layers, with the, with, the, with the questions that I was holding the space as they're holding the space for themselves. All realize that even though the trauma on the outside seemed to be the same, the personal story is very different. Very different. And how one was each looking at one thing, even though it transpired or it came to the conversation from a tragedy that was outside, Actually, the very core of it was a personal story that was happening on the inside. So though I see the collective that I'm a part of, you know, um, going through, let's just say, a lockdown, you know, and it's just easy to just give it a title and just, you know, be like, everyone is going through that, sure. And one level, one's hand sanitizing, got to do a test, you know, thinking about travel, realizing that, oh my God, I can't travel anywhere, well, whatever, it's like, it's like that kind of thing. Or, oh my God, where am I going to have food tomorrow? I mean, this is reality. But really, I personally believe that the individual has manifested this reality. I'm not trying to say that the individual has said, I deserve to do this. This is not by any means to actually even go there at all. It is a horrible thing for for everyone and again I don't want to say oh everyone is awakening so it's a great thing no it's horrible it's horrible and it's um I've also shed tears about it and I've also been terrified from it and I've also been lost and confused with it but at the same time I also see the individual process and the individual processes that each is building and each is is clearing 
way through what is happening today. Meaning this entire thing that I said is just that to each their own. And this is where I always go back to, to each their own. Though I could relate to what you're saying, but I'm not in your shoes and you're not in mine. And This is where one can really respect and love the commonality, but also the personal stories that we're bringing into dreaming ourselves, into our individual and into our real self. The second part of it is, you know, asking for a question. I honestly don't have one. And I honestly, for the first time, feel like I don't need to know a thing at all. The biggest teaching that this has taught me was a full surrender to death. And not in this like, oh my God, I'm going to die tomorrow, so I'm going to do. In my own journey with death today, it has really brought me back to life. Even when I thought that, you know, I've been going through this transformation journey and I've witnessed death in breath work and I've witnessed death in meditation, I've witnessed death in dreams and on so many levels, but embodying it and living it has only given me more life, more humility, more surrender, more faith. And it definitely in itself a huge shifter of how... I'm really taking every breath today and how I'm really looking at things today and really surrendering to today. So I feel like a huge part of me has already died. The yesterday and the tomorrow are definitely being shed as I'm breathing. So where I am today. I know you are about to go back to the motherland, to Lebanon in a few days, and I'm really excited for you. Um, you've been in Bali now for a few years, so what, and you've been in Bali during COVID, mm -hmm. so what do you, if you could express to Bali, like a love letter of gratitude of, you know, how has being in Bali in this moment, 2020, helped you dream a new world, dream yourself into being, launched this process in in more ways, what would you say being in Bali has helped facilitate in this time? Uh, you know, when you said the motherland, I didn't think Lebanon. I thought Bali. Bali is the mother. She helped birth me. Until today and every day. Every day I check in with her and I ask her, I'm about to cry now. That's how much I love Bali. Taking a break here. But yeah, should I go? You know, I always ask her. Because Bali is very subtle. When it's time to go, one knows that it's time to go. And when it's time to not, one knows that it's time to not. And I feel with Bali this sense of a child to a mother. So other than that, I really have no words to say. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, well, that speaks for itself. And to close, take all the time you need. Yeah. Um, if you could, yeah, leave the audience with a message um, to reflect on beyond this conversation, what would that be? That you don't create from within, rather you create within 
whatever it is that you dream of, whether it's a country, whether it's a planet, whether it's a universe, whether it's an existence, whether it's a relationship, whether it's someone speaking to you in a certain way, dream it within first and always. You create within. And that's how I dream myself into being by creating within because really that's all I've got but then really that's all I've got <laughs> this just depends on how I look at it mm. thank you for the space thank you Zaina thank you so much for this conversation and um yeah, thank you all so much for listening. We will include Zena's um, information, projects, everything in the show notes so you can continue to follow her journey um, and really be inspired by dreaming yourself into a new world. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for the space and for the message and for the love. The Alt Normal. Thanks for tuning in to The Alt Normal. I'm your host, Tiffany Wen, and this show is produced by Resonance, the creative practice of dig, seed, grow.